Before the events of September 11, 2001, domestic air travel in the United States looked shockingly different than that of the post-9-11 world. In 1969, security measures were far simpler than they are today. A passenger's luggage was neither scanned nor inspected prior to boarding. In October of that year, a man boarded a late-night flight in Los Angeles bound for San Francisco. In his bag was an M1 rifle. What was meant to be only an hour-and-a-half flight would become the longest hijacked flight in history. I'm your host, Forrest Kelly, and here is more than 10 minutes about TWA Flight 85. In the early hours of Friday, October 31st, 1969, Charlene Delmonico, a young 23-year-old stewardess for Transworld Airlines, was preparing for the last leg of a TWA flight that had begun earlier that day in Baltimore, Maryland. It was 1.30 a.m. as TWA Flight 85 began boarding passengers in Los Angeles for a final quick flight to their final destination, San Francisco. Charlene had swapped flights with a co-worker so that she could have Halloween night off, but she was unaware that her plans were about to change. As passengers boarded the aircraft, the menagerie of people included a moderately successful pop band called Harper's Bazaar, though they were hardly the most unique passengers on board that evening. At the same time, a young man dressed in military fatigues boarded the Boeing 707. Charlene was alerted when she noticed something bulging from the man's backpack. However, her concerns were alleviated when colleagues explained it was merely a fishing rod. It was not. Fifteen minutes after takeoff, the young gentleman left his seat to go to the restroom after downing two Canadian clubs. When he exited the lavatory, he held an M1 rifle in his hands. He approached the startled Delmonico and her fellow stewardess, 21-year-old Tracy Coleman, who were both in the back galley. When she saw the rifle, Charlene calmly informed him that he wasn't supposed to have it. The man's name was Raphael Minicello. Born in Italy on November 1, 1949, his family immigrated to the United States around 1962, leaving their home country after a series of earthquakes devastated their village. In 1967, Raphael dropped out of high school. That same year, his 78-year-old father returned to Italy due to his failing health, while his family remained in Seattle. At 17 and a half, Raphael enlisted in the U.S. Marine Corps, eventually deploying to Vietnam. After a tour overseas, he was stationed at Camp Pendleton in California. Back aboard TWA Flight 85, the 19-year-old Minicello handed stewardess Charlene Delmonico a round from his rifle to prove it was, in fact, loaded. He then directed her to lead him from the aft of the plane through the main cabin to the cockpit. As they passed by the tired passengers, many became alert at the sight of the stewardess being held hostage by a man in fatigues holding a rifle. One passenger stood from his seat to intervene, however the hijacker shouted at the man and forced him back to his seat. Once they reached the cockpit, the agitated Minicello ordered Charlene to knock on the door. Inside the cockpit was the captain, Donald Cook, 
his co-pilot Wenzel Williams, and the flight engineer Lloyd Halra. As they opened the door, Delmonico quickly informed them of the situation before the skyjacker entered the cockpit. Donald Cook, having been trained for this exact scenario, remained composed as he made a brief announcement over the loudspeakers to the passengers. Quote, We have a very nervous young man up here, and we're going to take him wherever he wants to go. End quote. In the late 60s and early 70s, plane hijackings were a fairly common occurrence. In today's world, a trip to the airport includes removing one's shoes, belt, and coat, and emptying your pockets before you and your luggage are subjected to a metal detector scan. In those simpler days, one could merely walk onto an aircraft without any such inconvenience. This, however, provided a greater opportunity and likelihood of a skyjacking occurring. Between 1968 and 1972, in the United States, an aircraft hijacking, or attempted hijacking, happened once a week on average. On May 1, 1961, an electrician from Miami hijacked a flight bound for Key West. He diverted the plane to Havana, Cuba, claiming he had to warn Fidel Castro of an impending assassination attempt. There was no such plot against the despot. This was the first in a lengthy series of U.S. planes being hijacked and diverted towards communist Cuba. Many of these hijackers were young radicals determined to defect from the United States. It became such a problem that pilots were given Spanish language cards to communicate with any would-be skyjackers, and each plane was equipped with a map of the Caribbean. There was even discussion of building a replica of the Havana airport in Florida to fool hijackers, though it was never constructed. When Rafael Minicello hijacked TWA Flight 85, it wouldn't have been unreasonable to assume that he would demand to go to Cuba. However, upon entering the cockpit, the skyjacker demanded the pilot turn the plane towards New York. Cook informed the passengers of their predicament, quote, If you have made any plans in San Francisco, don't plan on keeping them, because you're going to New York. End quote. With only enough gas in the Boeing 707 to make it to San Francisco, it was impossible to make the flight to New York without refueling. It took some time, but Cook managed to convince Minicello to allow him to land the plane in Denver, Colorado briefly to refuel. Cook alerted air traffic control of their situation. Two hours and 33 minutes since the hijacking began, Flight 85 landed in Denver. There, Minicello decided to let the 39 passengers and three flight attendants go, but insisted the fourth remain behind with the flight crew. Tracy Coleman volunteered to stay on board while Charlene Delmonico got off the plane. Before taking off again, Minicello, who was later described as being polite and respectful, informed the pilot that New York would not be their final destination. Earlier that year in April, when Minicello had returned home from Vietnam, he was assigned to Camp Pendleton in California. As a lance corporal in Vietnam, he had been an excellent Marine. Having received commendations for his actions in the war, a former platoon mate described him as being someone who had saved lives. While at Camp Pendleton, he planned on visiting his dying father in Italy, 
However, he couldn't afford a plane ticket. He came to believe that the military had shorted him in his pay by $200, worth just under $1,500 today. When his complaints were ignored, he became enraged. After a night of heavy drinking in May of 1969, a drunken, angry Minicello broke into the post exchange on base and stole $200 worth of radios and wristwatches before passing out while still in the store. He was discovered and arrested the next morning. He was set to be court-martialed on October 30th. However, he never showed up to the hearing. Instead, he fled to LA where he purchased a plane ticket to San Francisco for $15.50. He boarded the aircraft with an M1 rifle and 200 rounds of ammunition. By the time TWA Flight 85 landed in New York, six hours and 51 minutes after the skyjacking, it was known that Rome was their final destination. However, Captain Donald Cook was not trained to pilot international flights. Here is the captain in his own words describing what occurred once they landed at John F. Kennedy Airport. Quote, we had arranged that there would be a minimum ground crew when we landed at Kennedy and taxi to the designated area on runway 22. When we got there, there was the car with the replacement crew, but there was also many other vehicles and many other men. Some of them were carrying weapons and wearing military-type flak jackets. This boy was no dope. He was a very intelligent young man. He panicked and he started to scream, Get those people away from the airplane! I said, Can I open the window? And he said, Do you have to? I said I did, so he said okay, and I stuck my head out the window and started screaming. We want everyone away from this plane. This boy is going to shoot us. End quote. But Cook's pleas were ignored by the FBI agents that had swarmed the runway. Cook called down to an agent disguised as a TWA maintenance worker, saying, quote, We've got to get out of here. Get us moving. And this clown, I wish I could get my hands on him, shouted back, We'll get moving when we're ready to. End quote. What was only supposed to be a quick refueling stop and pickup of the replacement pilots had now dragged on longer than was originally expected. After a long pause on the tarmac, Raphael panicked when he realized the ground crew hadn't even begun refueling the plane. What happened next has since been assumed to have been an accident. But in all the commotion, the hijacker fired off a round into the ceiling of the plane's cabin outside the cockpit door. Luckily for Minicello, it didn't penetrate the fuselage, which would have grounded the plane. Luckily for everyone else, the stray bullet did not puncture an oxygen tank, which would have engulfed the plane in an explosion. Here's Captain Cook again, reflecting on the disaster at JFK. Quote, we sat with that boy for six hours and had seen him go from practically a raving maniac to a fairly complacent and intelligent young man with a sense of humor. And these idiots irresponsibly made up their own minds about how to handle this boy on the basis of no information, and the good faith we had built up for almost six hours was completely destroyed. End quote. When the two replacement pilots came aboard... The Skyjacker was initially concerned that they were FBI agents in disguise. However, Cook, who remained aboard with the rest of the original flight crew, was able to calm his nerves. The plane left New York, but before heading across the Atlantic Ocean, it made a pit stop in Bangor, Maine to refuel, which had failed to occur in New York. 
Nine hours and seven minutes into the hijacking, the plane departed Bangor, Maine, en route to Shannon, Ireland. During the trip over the Atlantic, Cook sat and talked with his captor in the first-class cabin. While they talked, the rifle sat between the two men. Minicello asked Cook if he or any of the other original crew members were married. Despite only one of the four being married, he told Minicello all of them were. That seemed wiser, Cook later reasoned. The Skyjacker also talked with stewardess Tracy Coleman, who said he taught her how to play several card games during the flight. Somewhat regretful, the Skyjacker apologized to Captain Cook. I've given you guys an awful lot of trouble. That's all right, Captain Cook replied. We don't take it personally. What if the FBI finds out about how you didn't take the gun away? Don't worry about that, Cook replied. It's my duty to look after the safety of the crew and the plane. The plane landed only momentarily in Ireland. 30 minutes later, it was back up in the air. 18 hours and 22 minutes after it was first hijacked over Los Angeles, California, TWA Flight 85 arrived at its final destination, Rome, Italy. When the hijacking began in the wee hours of October 31st, Raphael Minicello was a 19-year-old kid. After 18 and a half hours in the air and crossing over several different time zones, it was November 1st. Minicello's 20th birthday. After traveling 6,900 miles from Los Angeles on the west coast of California to the heart of Italy, TWA Flight 85 stands today as the longest plane hijacking in history. Upon arrival, per his demands, the plane landed far from the airport terminal and was met by a lone unarmed cop. The hijacker kidnapped the officer and commandeered his vehicle, having his hostage drive him south to Naples. Being hotly pursued by the Rome police, Minicello abandoned the car in the countryside, taking off on foot. With hundreds of officers out searching for him in a massive manhunt, Minicello, whose image was now littered all over the news, shed his camouflage uniform and gun, hiding out in a Catholic church. The following day, he was arrested, having been discovered by a priest. When he was arrested, he asked the police, quote, Countrymen, why are you arresting me? End quote. As news of his escapade traveled across Europe and the world, Minicello became a folk hero in Italy. Portrayed sympathetically as a homesick boy just trying to return home, he was especially admired by young girls who swooned over his good looks. Italy decided not to extradite the Skyjacker back to the US. Instead, they tried him in Rome only on the crimes committed in Italy's airspace. Ultimately, Raphael served a mere 18 months in prison, being released on May 1st of 1971. After going AWOL, skipping out on his court-martial, the United States military dishonorably discharged Minicello. In 2009, a 59-year-old Rafael Minicello, with his charges in the United States having since been dropped, reached out to the victims he held hostage during the skyjacking, inviting them to a reunion of sorts. Only two people showed up, stewardess Charlene Delmonico and co-pilot Wenzel Williams. 
To the disappointment of Minicello, Captain Donald Cook rejected his invitation. They met in Missouri on August 8th of 2009, where a guilt-ridden Minicello apologized, expressing his regret to his former captives. Reflecting on the reunion, Charlene Delmonico admitted, quote, In a way, I got a little closure, saw a different point of view. I probably felt sorry for him. I thought he was very polite, but he was always polite. End quote. Thank you for listening. The season one finale of 10 Minutes About will air two weeks from now. Tune in then for a sneak preview of season two. For 10 Minutes About, I've been your host, Forrest Kelly. And that's all I've got to say about TWA Flight 85.